0: To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire2022.org.
1: Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24 7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, USCfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello,
2: Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we got to talk about USC's Friday night win in Boulder, Colorado, beating the Colorado Buffaloes, 35-31. Dramatic comeback for the Trojans. We're going to talk about that with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can go to his Instagram account, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for us, please send them in podcast at uscfootball.com. or the number to call or text is 424-254-9141. Please subscribe on all of the podcasting platforms out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Megaphone, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. You'll find the Peristyle Podcast, so please listen, tell your friends, leave us some positive feedback. A five-star rating is always awesome. We do appreciate that we always get a five-star rating from the coach who's joining us right now. What's up, coach? How you doing?
0: Well, Ryan, I'm doing great. I was on secret assignment last week, and now I'm back and ready to talk football. And it's always great to talk football, especially USC Trojan football, after a big win and a come-from-behind victory, to maintain their position as far as in the Pac-12 South and really have a great matchup this weekend in the Coliseum against Oregon.
2: Yeah, it should be a great one. Uh, we'll preview that a little bit later on the week. Last week, like you said, Coach was on secret assignment. We end up getting uh, Taylor Mays to pitch it for you, Coach. It was fun to kind of get his perspective on things and, uh, and talk to him a little bit. It was sort of a, an interesting weekend because you got the Friday game, so you get to consume a lot of other college football and sort of get some time to kind of reflect on what happened. It's been a couple days since the game now. And we're doing the show. We're going to try to do the show on Mondays uh, going forward. Um, what Overall, Coach, any uh, interesting thoughts coming from USC's come from behind win? I, I know some fans were unhappy about it because Colorado's not that good of a team. Uh, but, you know, getting a road win, the first road win of the season, that, there has to be some significance to that too.
0: Well, you know, uh, the main goal is to get the W. I mean, there's ways of winning ugly and there's ways of losing ugly. But, uh, you know, you didn't play your perfect game. But you got that W, and you showed a lot of class as far as coming back and playing hard and shutting out Colorado in the fourth quarter and scoring 14 points to get that win. There were breakdowns on the defensive side of the football as far as containment and tackling and the several things that we've talked about in the past, the perimeter. But, uh, again, uh, when they needed it in the fourth quarter of their last five possessions, four possessions, they stopped them. They had the opportunity of making some Big plays on the offensive side of the ball. Pittman made some great plays. Solis made some great throws. London made a great catch. Brown made a great touchdown run. Tyler Vaughn made a great catch. And, uh, you know, there's things that you can highlight. But the main thing is you got to W, and we can always go into the things that people aren't happy about. But I gained a lot of respect for Kendon Solis. I'll tell you why. He's a tough kid. He stood in there. He made throws he had to make. He took some big-time hits, took some big-time hits. His knee or his ankle was bothering him a little bit. He never looked at the sideline to say, oh, what are you going to do? Poor me. He wanted to stay in the game. He shows leadership under that. I think the team really responded to that, and I really gained a lot of respect for him.
2: Yeah, uh, Keaton Slovis had a, a great game throwing for over 400 yards. Uh, Clay Helton singing his praises a bit uh, after the game. Uh, You know, like the way he's maturing as a freshman, it is nice for him to get his first uh, road win. Uh, And there was a lot of great receivers, I mean, making plays out there. You mentioned a bunch of them. Man, just some of the plays, Coach. It was crazy to see them come out there. And, uh, you know, it was a full five wide uh, formations a lot of the time. So you knew they were going to rely on those receivers, and they delivered that day.
0: They did. And the final Ta- pass to uh, Pittman that made that 37-yard run, he wasn't going to be denied. They threw the ball perfectly on a slant post type of route, came across the middle of the field, uh, made some nice moves, and just ran for the flag. And did a tremendous job. He was going to get into the end zone, and I kept tweeting out, somebody's got to make a play. On the defensive side of the football, on the offensive side of the football, you got to make a play. We've got to change the momentum, and that's what did it. And Of course, I think that uh, a lot of people are part of a win, a lot of people are part of the loss, and I think the team felt good about this, traveling home with a victory, having an extra day to celebrate and get that long weekend, and now come and play the first place team, a highly ranked team in in the country, in the University of Oregon, and I don't know how many people got a chance to see that game. I did, and I tell you what an exciting game that was and how lucky Oregon was to pull that win out over Washington State. So... There were some key stops by the defense. There were some breakdowns by the defense. There wasn't any perfect games. The punting game, we got some punts out of Griffin, and uh, he's starting to look like we thought he looked like in the fall as far as camp is concerned. So, yeah, there are things to clean up, and I think some of the things you've got to clean up are some of the things that have been there for a long period of time, and uh, you've got to pay attention to those things. Otherwise, people are continually going to attack you as far as with the quarterback keep, running to the perimeter. And also, on the offensive side, I hate to see the, uh, the quarterback standing in the pocket all by himself. like to see more help for the running back, and I'd love to see this great young running back get more touches because he might carry the ball two plays, three plays, and there's no gain. But on the fourth play, he's gone. So you've got to be able to have confidence in him. You've got to utilize him as a receiver. He looks so smooth on that touchdown pass he caught. And you can't always run him to the perimeter as they were doing early in the game to have him just oh, outrage people. But later he came back and did a great job in the inside.
2: Yeah, sorry about that. We had a little uh, <laughs> the voicemail started to play uh, prematurely. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, we I, maybe the voicemails wanted to play, Coach, because we have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, questions that have come out of this game. Um, let's just start. With an email, uh, we got uh, Michael in Newport. He says, air raid two weeks in a row, and this is for the coach, does it help our opponents uh, out that they have played both Wazoo uh, the week before they played us? So I think he's talking about um, Colorado played Washington State, and then Oregon also has played Washington State. So you get to play an air raid type of team two weeks in a row. He said, I would think defending two air raid offenses back-to-back would make it easier for our our opponent's defense and put us at a slight disadvantage. Thoughts, Michael from Newport.
0: I think you're right, Michael, because you see the same type of, not exactly the same type of offense. but very similar. And you have a chance to really practice against your next opponent when you're playing your opponent. I think that's uh, very similar. Both quarterbacks play the same. They're not athletic type or running type of quarterbacks. I think that, uh, I think the running game of USC is probably a plus over Washington State. But the master himself, Mike Leach, is somebody that's tough to play against. As everyone knows, you don't want to play against him because he's a genius at what he does. So I definitely think that it makes a big difference and really does help you to be able to see the same format or the same philosophy of the offense. And you can see what you did right or what you did wrong in your coverages, what you need to improve on and so on. And you have a better teaching point as far as comparisons between the two type of air raids where you can put your ga- game plan together. You're exactly right. I think that is an advantage.
2: Yeah. Uh, now, it's a little different looking air raid because, um, you know, Mike Legion, they throw the ball to the running backs a lot. Watch what they do with Max Borgie. I mean, that's a huge part of that offense where he's, I think Borgie, the running backs is second leading receiver on the team. That's not really what USC does, but there's a lot of similarities. So I, I, I think I agree with you guys there. We got a text message um, from Marcel, Marcel in the Inland Empire. He says, Steven Montez doesn't look good. Did he pass concussion protocol? He did say he forgot some of the stuff that happened before he got that big hit from Hunter Eccles. But what did, what did you think about how that went down coach?
0: You, is he, did he say Montez?
2: Yeah, Stephen Montez. Yeah.
0: No, there was no question in my mind. He wasn't the same quarterback, and in, in, uh, when he came back into the game, they brought in their uh, backup quarterback for a play, and he ran the keep, you know, where the weakness is, and got about 15 yards or whatever it was, 20, and then he came back in. Now he looked shook up. He looked like that he didn't have the same rhythm or timing, and he was off a little bit uh, in his passing. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree 100. percent that he didn't look as sharp as he had during the game because he was really in a rhythm. And he was carrying the ball. He kept one, you know, ran one key for a touchdown. He's a big kid, good leader. But in the second half there, after he got hurt, he wasn't the same. He wasn't the same on the field. And I, I can't uh, suspect on what, if there was, you know, I'm sure they're not playing him with a concussion or anything, but he was shook up enough where he wasn't the same.
2: Yeah, he definitely didn't look the same. Um, and I thought the the coaching staff didn't really do him a lot of favors. They came out and they were like throwing the football a bunch, and uh, they could have you know they are running the ball effectively. I think you want to run some clock and just run the ball. They would come out and go three and out, throwing three incomplete passes, and and when Montez didn't look that good. So I, that to me, I don't think the coaches helped him out any either. Coach,
0: I agree with you there. I agree hundred percent. I think they had to get back and let him get a feel of it again and not put all the pressure on him right away and run the ball and uh, try to keep the clock moving and keep the rhythm up and keep the crowd in the game and so on. And when he threw all those incomplete passes and the momentum started to change, he lost the crowd at the same time. And USC gained the confidence as far as turning it around and making those drives to win the football game.
2: Let's uh, go to Frank in Sacramento. He said, Colorado has one guy can you double LaVisca Chenault and make a stop? Jeez. Um, actually did a good job against LaVisca Chenault in the uh, fourth quarter, but yeah, up until that point, I think he had like 200 yards from scrimmage. Like he was, uh, he was doing pretty good.
0: He's a heck of a player. I'll tell you, he'll probably be, I'm assuming a first or second round draft choice. Got great talent. He wasn't really, uh, up to par either. He was hurting still. And, uh, he just a great player. Now covering wise, uh, He made some great plays, but again, the Trojans helped make him look better too as far as missing tackles, not settling up technique-wise and so on. Like I've always said, it's tough to play defense when you don't play defense the entire week because it's a different speed as far as against these type of great players. You can't really demonstrate or practice it unless you do it in practice, and it's hard when you have a lot of guys that are hurt. But when you find or go against a great player like that, that goes back and runs a wildcat and does does all these different things, he's explosive and he's a good player. But uh, I think the Trojans helped make him look a little bit better than what he really should have.
2: Yeah, he. I mean, he could be the best player of the Pac-12. Uh, I like him a lot. He's been banged up. You kind of felt like he was going to have a breakout game eventually, and you know it happened against USC. So you got to see some of the how special. A discussion, all Chenault can be. Uh, let's go to a voicemail, coach. I'll play this one for you.
3: Hi, Ryan Curtis. I believe that
4: we should put Pittman on the, on the short side of the field and then do things with our extremely fast tailback to the wide side of the field. They have to commit so much to try to stop him. Whether it be one side or the other, we should really take advantage of that. They have to do so much to stop Pittman. They have to dedicate so many people to stop Pittman. We should take advantage of the other side of the field.
3: Well,
0: uh, they don't flip-flop their receivers. uh, So the best way to do this is, is, you know, I would leave it the way it is. I think you've got to give him a lot of field because he's such a great runner. After he catches the football, he makes gets great cla- uh, catches uh, when he has field. I don't think they throw the ball down the field enough to him. When you watch uh, during the games, every time they throw the ball down the field to him, it's a 50-50 chance he's going to catch that football. And what a great strike that was that he hit that, uh, what was a 44-yard touchdown pass. What a perfect throw. What a perfect catch it was when the safety couldn't get over there, and again, that'll help open up the middle of the field. Now, Tyler Vaughn, I think he needs to get involved a little bit more, but he's a great player, too. I think you've got two premier wide receivers. I think the person they need to get involved more and a little bit more in the game is Brown. Brown is a great receiver. You've got to utilize him not only as a great receiver, but also a running back. They did that once. And I'm talking about running them across in the jet sweeps and different things to hold the backside and also throwing the football to him. Uh, USC is not a good screening team whatsoever. They don't uh, seem to have the timing down, and I don't know why, but uh, I would love to see the screen be worked on more, the middle of the field, the back as far as the circling. Uh, mismatching the uh, uh, cannon on people would be, Unbelievable. I'll tell you, he is a tremendous. When you look at the skilled players, if I'm a defensive coordinator trying to stop USC and they utilize all the material they have as far as receivers and big play guys, it'd be a nightmare. I wouldn't sleep for a week, believe me. But you never know what they could come up with, the great plays that could happen. They could be so much better by a few little changes. And I told you what those changes are earlier, so I'm not going to repeat myself that they would be a very, very dangerous team on the offensive side of the football. I sort of think what they're doing with Pittman is very good. They've had great success. Look what he did this past weekend. They just need to utilize, two and get the ball in the hands of the other people. London made a great play. I'll tell you, that was the play of the game as far as keeping the drive going on that catch. That was not an easy catch. It was a third-down play. So, you know, everybody came up with a big play, and that's what you have to do to win. Now, you know, Colorado's not the number one team in the country or the number one team in the Pac-12. But, you know, you let them stay in a game long enough, and all of a sudden you encourage them that they can beat you. And that's what happened in that game. Yeah. Look at the first drive. Look at the first drive. What, within a minute, three plays, a touchdown, it got too, it, it really was too easy at the first of the game.
2: Yeah, it was uh, three plays, touchdown, boom, boom, boom. Um, I talked to uh, Jalen McKenzie about that that uh, Amon St. Brown running play. He said they d- did it in practice, and it worked the exact same way. So they kind of had a lot of confidence uh, that that was going to work. So uh.
0: now, what what's the difference of him carrying the ball from a slot position like that, with a fake to uh, the running back and just toss it or a jet because they don't go under center, so they can't run the jet that way. But a toss jet across the face of the offense. Look what that does to hold the backside and then send him down the sideline when they ignore him and throw him the football. There's so many different things or a wheel route to the back after you you fake the the ball or down the middle of the field. There's so much, just a few little things you can come off that series that people have to be worried about now that could make it awesome.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Let's see. We have a long voice, I mean, long email. We do have a couple of long voicemails. I'm going to play them. But, guys, don't do voicemails that are two minutes long, okay? Just uh, try to keep it to a minute. So just time yourself. And if it doesn't work, call back. Uh, This is Paul from Gator Country. He said he watched the Colorado game and had mixed feelings. After the Arizona game, I thought the defense had turned a corner and finally we would get a consistent and dominant defense. But I was very disappointed at the play of the defense, I felt that the Colorado offensive play calling was excellent and they had USC's defense confused all night. Credit to Colorado's offense. I was also pleased with how USC continues to not give up and how they scored enough points to pull off a victory. I really like this team, but I feel that we are outcoached many times. Keenan did great. Police coaches tell him how to slide so he doesn't get hurt. He put that in parentheses. And receivers are, are superstars. The offensive line was terrible. Uh, Keaton Christian played well, uh, but could have been used more creatively uh, than he was uh, like Colorado did with Nixon. My question, I understand that we have lots of injuries, but we were playing Colorado and should have crushed them. Why do we look so bad on defense? I do believe that altitude is definitely a factor, but I'm curious how the other visiting teams prepare for games at higher altitudes. Prior to this game, I was going to predict a win over Oregon, but I can't imagine us beating them if our defense plays like they did against Colorado. Lastly, why does it seem like the announcers and other commentators want USC to lose I heard commentators put USC down and they talk up teams that USC could beat easily I really love the players on this team and want the best for them we need to get new leadership slash coaching staff of this team to win and to earn back the respect of this greatest football program fight on love your show Paul from Gator country
0: well I gotta try to remember all these questions yeah there's now. a lot
2: there's a lot in there Paul uh you know long long ones
0: lot lot in there um on the defensive side of the football first of all on the defensive side of the football they've had the same problems the entire year as far as stopping the perimeters stopping containment or having great containment when you look at the blitzes that they did against uh colorado the angle of the blitz they would get there in time but they the guy would avoid the Uh, The blitz, you've got to be in control when you blitz and be able to be in a position to make the tackle, not allow a guy to roll out of it or step up away from you. You've got to be able to do that. You've got to maintain outside contain on a rush, on a rush when you're a defensive end or whatever you are when you're pass rushing uh, the quarterback. You can't allow that to happen, and they continually do that and uh, also uh, tackling has been something that they just haven't done. They just haven't tackled well, and uh, they need to, to be able to tackle well. Now, you've got a lot of young players, but, you know, you've got to be able to come along and make a play occasionally. Turnovers are something, to two that are not generated that often on the defensive side of the football. And really, when you look at the game, the, the field position USC had really was not great field position. They had to drive 89 yards and 75 yards and make a long drive. So the field position they're getting, too, is not good for the offensive side of the football. But they've got to improve on these areas, and they continually attack the perimeter of USC's uh, defense. And uh, it, it's just something that I'm not going to say, I'm not going to get into the coaching portion of it, but uh, there are things that you have to adjust to and change in the philosophy of the defense to be able to make that happen. And that hasn't happened. And uh, somebody seems to be stubborn in some of the changes that need to be made and the quickness that needs to be put on the defensive line to, to be able to put on the proper rushes, the necessary stunts, and things you got to do to have the opportunity to beat a, a one-back offensive type of football team. Now, you saw... Colorado doing it uh, as far as overloading one side or the other. You talked about the offensive line. When the offensive line was blocking uh, four guys and so on, they had no problem. But when they brought somebody, they had a breakdown. Now, I thought Kennan stepped in there good as a running back and attempted to block. And the only way he's going to become a good football player as a running back is let him play football and learn from the film and teach him. But whenever they overload and they have one more rush guy than, he, than you do, a pass rush guy, then you're in trouble. They didn't do that enough. They didn't stun enough. And uh, I think that's where they really hurt themselves, giving this kid a chance, uh, Kennan to throw the football like he really did. I'd, if I was, if I was a team playing kennan I'd get after him. I'd force him to throw the football quicker. Disguise my coverages. Maybe bump a little bit more with the receivers, and take away the short passes, hurry passes, and force them to throw more fade routes, which he's very good at.
2: What about uh, preparing for altitude? Anything you can do there?
0: Yeah, you can't do anything with that. I mean, everybody talks about that. I remember Jerry Tarkanian always telling me, Coach, you can't use this, but I tell my team when we play at Colorado and these other heights, Utah State, I tell them, don't worry, it doesn't make any difference. There's a roof on the gym, so that doesn't make any difference. So, you know, you do, you do get more fatigued. But there's nothing you can do to – you know, there's nothing you can do. That's just the way it is. That's their advantage. When you play in a warm-weather climate, you got the advantage. When you play in a cold-weather climate, you got the advantage. When you play at an altitude, you got the advantage. So there's always something you have that maybe the other team doesn't have, and that's one thing, the altitude, that you really can't do anything about.
2: Yeah, there's not much you can do there, so – Uh, Speaking of the defense, we have another voicemail uh, concerned about this USC defense coach, I guess you could say. Here's the voicemail.
3: Hello, Don here. I don't consider a team's defense giving up 31 points to be a very good football team. It is true. Defense wins games. The USC defense is not very good. I can think of two very good reasons. Injuries have been a big problem. USC is forced to play a lot of freshmen who are inexperienced. Frankly, I don't see USC winning out the rest of the season unless they outscore their opponents. The defense, when healthy, is more than likely a year or two away from being very good if they stay healthy. Their corners are too small to support the run. They need to recruit bigger physical corners, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose all of their remaining games.
0: Well, you know, you, know, you got to play with what you have, and uh, you got to be able to be physical no matter what size you are, and uh, I think that you've you've got to, you know, I've always said uh, physical is something that you either have or you don't have. You either love to hit somebody, you don't love to hit anybody, and somebody, uh, you know, that's the way it is. But you got to put them in a position where they can be successful and make the adjustments of the type of talent that you have. And you've got to maybe run more cover to or do different things when you have people in, in a position where they can tackle more. When you play man, you've got to come off of a man block and uh, then make a play. I, I don't think that a lot of the problem outside as far as coming up when you're playing man defense and different things is the a, is a defensive corners problems i think that the linebackers or whoever has the outside responsibility isn't getting there And but when they get out there in the gaps they're not getting to the gaps they're not getting penetration as far as on the defensive front at all they're running off tackle there seems to be a natural hole off tackle for people to run to and uh i i just think the linebackers have got to get up there and hit the gaps you've got to have more penetration on the the defensive side of the football you've got to be able to stop a play before a play actually gets started when you have the momentum then of course when you stop the inside where's the team going to go to the outside they figure well you can't stop at all and that's what offensive thinking is in game planning and i think that they're just weak to the off outside they've always been weak to the outside as far as the way teams run to the outside on them and they got to put more of an emphasis on making that defense better sometimes I just, you know, I just don't know if the the team's want to uh run the ball inside against them because they know they're very physical but they don't feel they have the speed on the defensive front to hurt them. As far as they're big plug type of guys, but they're not really a great pass rush type of guy, and I've always been saying all along with the defense, they don't have anybody coming off the edge. They're starting now a little bit more to have people come off the edge. <clears throat> Excuse me, everybody was talking about Port Augustine, and he did make some great pass rushes and so on, but he always got beat by contain, and if he couldn't bull rush, uh, that's what occurred to him, and when they ran at him, they ran inside of him. So you've got to put guys in a position where the defense is sound, and I don't think, and don't get me wrong, Pentagrass uh, makes a million or two million a year or whatever, and he obviously is coaching the NFL and everything else, but I don't think his defense is sound to college football.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's that's something that some people have said uh, more recently. We we see him do th- – he does some good things. He'll take away, like, a lot of the times what the best option is for an opponent. Um, and sometimes you see, like, the defense plays really well, and other times, uh, you know, not as much. So it's, it, I guess the consistency hasn't been there, but there are some people really complaining about it.
0: Well, you know, when you give up five hundred and twenty yards total offense, that can't be saying you had a great day on defense, okay? No, you can't. No, that's that's pretty that's a that's a lot of yards. So people have a right to say something that's going right, you know? Yeah.
2: I agree what you're saying. Um let's see. Let's go to an email. Uh this is from Sergeant Strong. He said uh to coach and crew, uh well that win against Colorado sucked. So he's not very happy. Yeah, USC has injuries. So what? This is the coaching staff's profession. And then he has this in all caps. To coach football. Not give excuses, but find a way. And yes, they won. But the way they won was ugly. Colorado has been trash all season and look uh, solid versus USC. Will this win leave a bad taste in your mouth like it does me right now? Uh, Anyways, fight on from Sergeant Strong in Fort Lewis, Washington.
0: Well, I don't know if it puts a bad taste in my mouth because it got a W, but it's a more confusing win than ever because now they're 4-1 and in the Pac-12 South and the 5-3 overall, and people are now trying to think what if they went out or what if they lose to Oregon and what if they still win in their 9-3 and or 8-4? and What's the situation of the USC football program? I think that's what you look at when you look at the overall picture of this year, this football year. And you look at the losses, the close losses, an overtime loss to BYU, 30-27 to Notre Dame, 28-14 to Washington, where they really didn't play well, but if they'd have played somewhat up to par, they could have had a pretty good season so far this year. They beat Utah uh, in the Coliseum. I'm not quite sure. Utah, I didn't think used the right philosophy, defensing them. And when you look at defense, uh, their defense has done over the last 14 quarters, giving up 10 points, man, you don't want to play them. But they beat them, and that's what counts. Uh, but when you beat Utah, then you should beat BYU or beat the other teams you're supposed to beat. And, and then now, I, now I think it's in a very confusing type of situation for the USC uh, program as far as moving forward. If you looked at the most recent re- recruiting uh, rankings, USC is ranked, uh, what, 61st or something in the country, and and seven teams are ranked above them, I think, in the Pac-12 as far as recruiting. Now, will athletes, will that make a difference to them as far as if they go 8-4 and four or 9-3 and, and then want to come to to USC? I don't think so. So the the, the University of Southern California is in a real – I'd say difficult situation. They're fooling around as far as hiring an athletic director. And with the national letter of intent coming up here in December, you don't have a lot of time to decide or do what you're going to do with your football program. So I think what happens when you win these games, you win these games ugly or whatever, it throws a wrench into the plans of the future of USC Trojan football. And I'm not advocating a change. I'm just saying that it makes it difficult to decide in what direction The Trojan family is going to go because the face of the Pac-12, ladies and gentlemen, is USC and then UCLA. Without USC and UCLA in the top rankings in the country in recruiting and also as far as in bowl games, Rose Bowl games and so on, the Pac-12 is not going to have the reputation that it's supposed to have nationally as far as being recognized as far as the Power Five Conference and in the rankings and Heisman Trophy and everything else. Oregon is a great program. They've done a great job up there. The only thing they can really offer you is rain. And also on top of that, a graduate, Phil Knight, who's decided the only way we can compete is to have great facilities and give these kids something special in uniforms. But he's done that. And he's done that right. And the Trojans and the rest of them allowed them to come catch up with them and move ahead of them. So now... It's time to decide what you're going to do here in the stretch run with the USC Trojan football program. And I know I didn't answer your question specifically, but I did uh, give you an overall uh, picture of what I'm thinking.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's see. Why don't we go to another voicemail? Here you go.
4: Hey, Ryan. Coach, Hyde. How's it going? It's Franco from the East Coast. Well, a win's a win, and we're still in control of the Pac-12 South, but Clay Helton's margin of error is so slim, it's comical. You know, it basically took a quarterback coming back into the game who was mildly concussed. I mean, Montez was not the same guy after getting knocked out uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter as he was before. And also Colorado's inability to just fall on a, on a fumble. Um, that led to the window being open for the Pittman reception for the TD to bring us back. Um but again, it's it's so so slim. It's not you know when when Clemson goes down to North Carolina and they squeak out a W, it, you don't hear people saying, well you know Dabo Sweeney just saved his job with that victory there. You know if if it's this slim, we pretty much know what the decision should be on Helton at at year end, right? Uh, and it goes to my next point on injuries. They're really playing the injury card hard. And I know the uh, he was talking to the announcers in their in their uh, meeting before the game about you know this level of injuries I've never seen and this that and the other thing my fear is that the administration is also going to jump on and, and use injuries to lay to delay the inevitable on what needs to be done here. if you look at their rosters, USC past five recruiting classes number two and this is nationally number two number ten, number four number four, number twenty that's an average of eight Colorado. 69, 69, 35, 53, 44, an average of 54. We could lose half our starters and still be the more talented team, right? So you can't really play the injury card too hard on a team that you're way more talented than anyway. It's coming off of three losses by a combined 78 points. As Coach High would say,
0: huddle up, buckle up, let's just move on, play the games. Take care, guys. Bye. Well, thank you. And I I sort of feel the same way that uh, you do. Uh, I mean, uh, like I just talked a moment ago about that. Uh, I've always said that USC has the most talented uh, roster in the Pac-12. Uh, I still think they do. Uh, I think that it's a crucial year this year as far as the recruiting after last year, not that some of those players haven't played well. I agree with you. The injury thing is spoken about too much. Uh, the, uh, I mean, you know, what, do you, what are you going to do? A guy can play, in and in some situations, don't get me wrong when I say this, I think maybe you become a better football team when some guys are injured because Clancy and some of these people won't take somebody out of the game unless they are injured. And sometimes there are players that have surfaced that are pretty good football players because of injuries that you didn't even know they could play football. So I, I, I just I just think that that uh, you're I I agree with you. USC is a is a program that should be dominating. Uh, They're winning Colorado, a team that. You know They've never lost to, first of all, play a game that close and so on is, is not acceptable. But yet, you got your W, and I, like I said, all it does is throw a wrench in the, in the engine as far as deciding what the future is. It has to start at the top at USC. What do they want as a football program? Does the new pro president know what she wants as a football program? Or is she just sitting there trying to hire somebody or listening to somebody to tell her what a football program does for the university in the Pac-12. Does the commissioner know what the what the Pac-12 needs? Uh, does the regents know? I hope they do. That's their position. And I think that the and the athletic director coming in should be an experienced guy that's been in those type of programs that know what it's supposed to be about and how to get to that level and what if you need to do and what you need to do to get to that level. And unless they have that philosophy at the top. It makes no difference what you and I, I think. Makes no difference at all. They've got to demonstrate what's going on and what their needs are and what their belief is in the athlete department. Remember the face, and I know that Larry Scott says it's the conference of champions. And I agree that every sport is created equally and it's important to win and so on. But the face of the Pac 12 or any conference is the football programs. Because it's the largest drawing revenue uh, sport there is, and, and it's something that, that, that pays the bills yeah. and also gets the donations. So unless it starts with the new president and the athletic director, which is taking forever, how long do you think it of be to get an athletic director? You have to hire a search for, firm. I mean, USC is a prime job for almost any athletic director in the country. If you tell him to come in and get done, we want this done, okay? You've got unlimited funds. We need this done. We need this done as soon as possible. Give me your plan in the interview. What is your plan to get us there? And if you get the right guy or two, then you go out and you get him and you get dust started. I've always told you this. You've got to go after a guy, if you're going to make a change in coaching, that's going to make a difference in the program. And Irvin Meyer, and I wouldn't let Irvin Meyer, if you're going to make a coaching change, say no to me. I just keep saying, what is it going to take? Do you want to be on the interviewing committee for the athletic director? What is it going to take? But you've got to have a name like that to turn it around immediately, yeah. to get kids from wanting to go to Clemson or Alabama or whatever and wanting to stay home. And unless the university wants it, it's not what you and I and Ryan want. If the university at the top doesn't want it, it isn't going to happen. Because all of a sudden, when the university finds out from the top that football's important and the band is important, and you're losing a great band director, too. So is the band going to remain the same, same tradition, everything else? Well, these things all have to be addressed, and they better be addressed quickly.
2: Yeah, uh, good rant there, Coach. I love it. That's all those important hires. Those bad hires you've made in the years past, they have to go away. You have to make a good one now. Let's take a uh, quick break. We'll come right back and finish up the show.
4: Streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, yeah,
3: Bob? Well, all
4: right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. While, it's the feel good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Ready, PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.
2: All right. We're back here on the Peristyle podcast. Let's uh, go to our next uh, question. I don't know. Uh, this one is from JR in Albuquerque. It's a text question. He says, Now that we're eight games into the season, what's your honest opinion of the coach's decision to move John Houston inside and moving EA uh, outside? He's not really outside. He's like the Will linebacker. But um, how has this experiment worked? Every game I have seen Houston get eaten up time after time on run plays, and it's frustrating to see a real dude, a tough dude like EA, running around in coverage a lot and not attacking downhill. Uh, thanks. Uh, fantastic coverage of the team, J.R. and Albuquerque.
0: Well, junior you're on the same page I am, and, and Ryan, I think you'll attest to this. I've been saying that all along since they moved in there in the spring. Uh, he's not physical enough. I think he's a great kid and a great leader and nothing against who he is. But uh, he's not physical enough to play in the middle today. Uh, the take on big linebackers and pulling guards that come around the corner at you and you can't even see, they just screen you and so on. Very difficult, very difficult. Uh, you've got to be able to step in there and shed them and get off the blocks and penetrate and shoot gaps and so on. Now he's good running down people from the outside and doing that type of stuff. There's no question to be better on the outside. I mean, I, I but I don't understand... Uh, as you said, uh, or I said, I don't know, Pentagrass, what he's doing defensively. Okay, as far as personnel is concerned, I don't agree. A lot of play players that he plays and where they play him and the positions they play him at, and the same, and always breaking down. And there's no rush on the edge as far as forcing anybody to step up. Or I don't know, I don't understand that. Okay, Eccles now is starting to do that a little bit, but you don't get it from the other side, and with. With Jackson out now, that that's a difficult thing. I'd like to see Jackson and Nichols in the game at the same time. I think this Tremba guy is playing really good. Ninety-six. I really like his action and speed and reaction that he's bringing to the game. I think he should be playing more. I think he's got more ability than some of the other guys that have been playing that position as far as quickness. And uh, who knows? I, I really, I really, really don't know. But uh, I agree with you. I like the kid. But you know, at his height, his weight, he's not physical enough to play in the middle and and but yet that's where he plays because he says he's a great leader and he lines people up. Well, that's great. You can do that from another position too, or get somebody that can do that.
2: All right, let's uh, we got one last voicemail for you. Um, a little long. Don, we've told you this before. Please try to keep them a little tighter than this. I'll play it for you coach. Here you go.
1: Uh, hey, Ryan and company. this is your favorite. Trojan fan Don from Chicago. I'm calling after the big three-point win over the bus. I mean, Colorado only lost to Oregon by 42 and Washington State by 31. So our victory is, well, um, you know what it is. I want to set the record straight about my harsh comments in recent weeks about the Trojans. They are only directed at Coach Helton and USC administrators. I bleed cardinal and gold. I love the players, and I respect the players. The tragedy here is that the players are getting shortchanged by the horrible coaching and horrible USC administrators. How many USC players have been drafted in recent years? High. Not many. The players are not being developed because Coach Helton is not up to the task. How many podcasts have I listened to this year with when Coach Hyde and Dan and Keeley say over and over again that the team doesn't tackle in practice, and that's why they suck at tackling in the games, yet Helton does nothing. Now, if our goal is to just win the Pac-12 South, then let's at least acknowledge that and tell the fans not to expect anything more from the Trojan program. I mean, let's face it, even with horrible coaching, with the talent that we have, we could probably win or maybe win the Pac-12 South and even the Pac-12 championship. But what does that say? There's only one Pac-12 team ranked in the top 25. If we really want to get back to national championship caliber, then a change at the top must happen sooner rather than later. Any other conversation about the state of the Trojan program is just pie-in-the-sky PR. It's Don from Chicago.
0: Well, thank you very much. I think we answered part of your question and the question before with my rant as far as where it starts at the top and all of that. I have to agree with you as far as the players are concerned. I've watched the team play in every single game more than once. And these kids have never quit. They play hard, okay? They really play hard. They don't quit. They play hard. They make plays, and sometimes it's difficult for them to make certain plays because the positions they're put in and so on. But they've never quit, okay? They've never quit. Uh, There are things lacking that could, uh, I feel, uh, help the offense. Uh, We've been through all of that before. I don't know why they can't be a complete offense, why they just have to be called a one-way offense. I don't see why you can't go under center and short yardage offense. Nothing bothers short short yardage uh, offense. What bothers me the most is when it's second and three on the four or five yard line, you throw a fade route or something. I just don't understand why you can't light up, go under center, run some plays, have a series for every type of situation you're faced with in the game. Even when I watched Kill the Clock, and I see in a gun position with guys around you you still have to snap the football and you run around back there. I mean, I just don't understand that either when you can just go under quarterback under the center, take a snap, put your knee down, have your guys around you like ninety eight percent of the teams in the country do. You eliminate your quarterback sneak. Every time you have a short type of yardage situation, your back has to run for four or five yards before it gets to the line of scrimmage to make that extra yard. There's little things like this that annoy me on the offensive side, the series and so on, the running games, bootlegs, move your pocket, those type of things. On the defense, the same thing. The kids are playing hard. I'm not sure the right players are in the game all the time, playing the right position. Uh, Players get hurt, too, because they, you know, like you talk about not hitting or tackling, But your body gets used to contact. And if your body doesn't have contact, or if your body doesn't have the feel of getting hit occasionally, you just get hit once a week. It's like having a car accident that you're not used to having. But during a football game, you have about 30 car accidents a game. When you hit somebody and you get hit, your body becomes a little bit more accustomed to it. And that's something they haven't done and, uh, and I think it makes a difference in the injury situ- situation too. And you know, what, a, what can I say? We've talked about this over and over and over. And again, it starts at the top. You got an athletic director, Roberts, uh, who's an interim AD. I don't know, know if he knows that the football is stuffed or pumped. I'm not quite sure. He's a he, nice man, obviously comes from compliance or whatever, I mean, that's the area, you know, that you're supposed to do all the uh, finding out of what's going on behind the scenes. But does he know how to administer or lead the athletic department? And who's leading the athletic department now? Who's doing the search? What's happening as far as the future of the football program? No one knows. It's all a mystery. So we'll just wait and see.
2: Yeah, we will wait and see. Um, All right, we got one last question for you, Coach. Well, I don't know if it's a question. This is from Scott. He just says, Fire Helton now. Fire Helton now, name an interim coach, and hire Urban Meyer now. This team is so badly coached, it's pathetic. I can't watch this any longer. And I'm a fan of 54 years. And now I am finished supporting or watching this football team until Helton is fired. Uh, that's from Scott. And that's, we've had a bunch of people say stuff like that, Coach, where they're just kind of like tuning out until something changes.
0: Well, it's sad, uh, Ryan. I think that is happening. Uh, first of all, when you have seven night games, you know, people are tired of going to the Coliseum uh, and playing or on the road and watching a football game that starts at 6 or 7 or 7.30 at night. I do a radio show. It's supposed to be a post-game show. And half the time it's a halftime show or third-period show at 9 o'clock. So who knows uh, about that? And people are – a lot of the Trojan fans are not all students – They're senior citizens and older people that get there and and by a certain time they're ready to leave. And they've been supportive of the university for years. And there's so many changes that are going on at a USC Trojan football game. Now, I don't know how many of you people uh, go to the games or watch the games, but so on. But the game no longer is just a football game where you emphasize the football team and you emphasize Traveler and you emphasize the band, the Trojan Bandits. I, I, I sometimes think it's a rock concert with the music and everything that's going on that's trying to be everything. And everybody doesn't go there for everything. It's a place to go and watch the Trojan football team play. And I and I think it's distractive with all of these young ideas. Not that they're not great ideas, and a lot of the stadiums all over the country are doing this. It's not unique that USC is doing this. But uh, I think that People like to be able to talk to people without screaming and trying to scream over the, the music and everything else that's going on. Hey, when you go to a football game, you go to a football game because of the game itself. You take this weekend. When you look at the Pac-12, excuse me for rambling on this question, here's the Pac-12. Here's the Pac-12. You've got UCLA starting at uh, six, o'clock, what is it, 6 o'clock, USC starting at 5 o'clock games in the same city, the same time. I mean, what kind of scheduling is that? Or you have both teams having to buy the same weekend? Or both teams on the road at the same time? Yet you're complaining about attendance, 60,000 at a homecoming game against Arizona, 38,000, 39,000 at a UCLA game this past weekend. I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, and playing the extra game in conference, the ninth game, while everybody else is playing eighth game, so that half the conference gets another loss. I mean, what's being done in the conference? The conference is killing itself. Why not sit down and have a decent schedule where they sit down and understand what it takes to win and what people are really looking for as far as at each individual stadium and what the tradition of that stadium and that program has been. And I think right now it's drifted away from that, USC. I think it's drifted away to now being a different type of environment, uh, a different type of administration as far as running it and a lot of people doing things that really didn't go to USC or don't understand what USC is all about and trying to bring new ideas to USC that a lot of people are afraid to speak up and say that. So I don't know what's going on. Somebody's got to be strong enough to make these changes. Yeah,
2: I agree with you coach. Um, that's all our questions. I want to, you know, you mentioned the Oregon game. I wanted to kind of look ahead to that just a little bit. We'll do like a preview podcast and everything, like I said before. But some people are feeling pretty confident going to the Oregon game. I mean, the whole Pac-12 can be a mess from week to week. You just don't know what team's going to show up. People that saw Colorado play the last two weeks were pretty shocked that they were hanging in there with USC because they looked like garbage the last couple of weeks, to be honest. And, you know, they got some guys healthy. We're seeing this a lot, though, from week to week in the Pac-12 it could be anyone's game. Um, you know, Washington State could have easily won that game on Saturday night, and they they only have one Pac twelve win right now. Uh, they blew a thirty two point lead to UCLA. What are your thoughts, kind of going into uh, this big game against Oregon? Do you think USC has what it takes to to beat the Ducks and make a run at the Rose Bowl?
0: Well, you know, you got to play the game. Uh, I think USC. Uh can move the football i think they'd be a lot more dangerous if they did a few things that I, like i mentioned i think defensively they got a lot to stop i really do i think this back uh verdell i was really impressed by him number seven the way he ran the football verdell, the receiver yeah, yeah, he was well yeah. i tell you he's a he's a hell of a player i'm telling you uh you got to slow him down you got to take him out of the game some way and and uh you know they got a great big offensive strong offensive line. The only problem they don't do they don't run behind their left tackle enough because there's nobody he's a he's a he's a great player if they ran more behind him they'd get more yardage uh they got great receivers they utilize everybody on the field tied in and everything i think they're they're really well coached too and uh I think defensively uh, uh you know well, defensively they're a pretty good football team until you play washington state and then who knows what type of defensive football team you are so i think that's what gives the advantage to to usc uh not i'm not saying usc is going to beat them but i'm really looking forward to this game i really am i'm really looking forward to this because usc plays well at home oregon coming down here you know they're on a roll uh usc had a couple extra days to prepare and and rest and get uh, you know, get ready for this football game. I think it's an important game for both teams. But uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing just what happens during this game. I mean, the the adjustments, if any, we keep talking about the adjustments the offense has to make and the defense has to make. Are they going to make them? I don't believe they will. Okay, and I think that'll be the thing that hurts them the most.
2: Yeah, you know, Oregon's not the same team on the road, um, but. You know, talent-wise, USC is there. But when you watch Oregon, and we talked about this um, on the uh, Tunnel Vision show, and you see some of the guys making plays, you're like, oh, that's a guy USC recruited. Oh, that's a guy USC recruited. You don't get that a lot. Usually, you know, there'll be teams playing USC, and there'll be guys on USC's team that, you know, Washington tried to get or Arizona State tried to get, and they end up going to USC. There's a bunch of guys on Oregon's team that USC tried to get, and they ended up at Oregon.
0: No, you're exactly right, and he's having a banner year recruiting this year. I've been told, now I've been told, that Cristobal is the hardest working recruiter there is. Now, if you watch him during the game, doesn't do much coaching. Doesn't do much coaching at all. He's sort of a sideline guy that walks around, and uh, his coordinators run the whole show. He's there. Uh, but he's he understands that players make the difference in a football coach and a football program. And he is a recruiter; he outworks everybody. he's recruiting all the time. I mean you talk about and i and i and I'm getting this from respect from people. in fact, people say if you know I'm not going to use this term if he was to ever going to become it I'd be all over with because of his recruiting abilities. He has really believes that it's not necessarily uh the the all the coaching it's the players, the morale, the development, and how you utilize your players and you know that's sort of my philosophy too. You know, you can be a great coach, but without any players, you're nobody. But now if you're a great coach and you're a pretty good jockey riding that horse, you're in pretty good shape. You're the favorite all of a sudden. You're a two-or-one favorite. So that that's the philosophy he has, and I think that's a great philosophy. And, and it's definitely showing as far as recruiting, uh, as far as who he's getting, who's committing, people are going there. And right now he's on a run.
2: Yeah, he's uh, they're on a run. It's a huge game. USC, Oregon, Fox, 5 p.m. Make sure you check it out. It's going to be a good one. Just so you know, they did announce uh, Arizona State game, USC, Arizona State. Um, The Trojans, that's on uh, 11-9, so on November 9th. Kickoff will be 12-30 L.A. time, but 1-30 local time because it's on mountain time because that'll be after the time change. Arizona does not change time, so they go to basically mountain time, after that. So it'll be a one thirty game local 1230 in LA for the USC at Arizona state on November 9th, just to let, let people know. So we got some more game times coach.
0: Well, good. It's always good to know a week before and, uh, be able to make your plans. And I'm glad it's an afternoon game. Uh, I think that, uh, I think people like that better. And, you know, sometimes you watch football all day and all of a sudden it starts with, what, game day at 6 o'clock in the morning, and by the time you get to an 8 o'clock game, 7.30 game at night, I don't want to say you're burned out, but you've seen a lot of football. And uh, you want to be enthusiastic and really involved in the game and be sharp at your evaluation of the game, and I think that's a good time. Yeah.
2: All right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Coach, thanks again for coming on.
0: Well, thank you. We want to thank all of you out there for your questions. It's really fabulous to have you be a part of our huddle here. Ryan, I want to thank all of you, too, and uh, we hope your team wins, no matter who you root for out there. I know most of you are Trojan fans, but remember, game day is every day. Yeah.
2: All right. Game day is every day. Love it, Coach. That's Coach um, Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time.
1: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.